0: Well, what have we here? You a good cop? Hot shot? <laughs> sure you are. Why, well, you gotta be some kind of great cop.
1: Come in here all by yourself?
0: You probably don't think I'm a very nice guy, <laughs> do you?
1: Buddy, I think you're slime. <laughs>
0: See, I got this problem. Cops don't like me. So I don't like cops. <laughs> 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 well,
1: give the man a hand.
0: episode 139 of the cult of matt mark cult film review podcast i'm matt and i'm mark and make sure to head over to the facebook and like us the cult of matt mark or head to our blog at cultfilmreview.blogspot.com or shoot us an email at cultfilmreview at gmail.com and don't forget to head over to amazon and purchase my novel nova byzantium courtesy of mask books out now on kindle uh and show news mr hudson got any show news this week uh, show news this week, uh, this, or, well the past two weeks, I guess we've been, we've been on uh, a two week break. So, oh,
1: uh, I sort of got myself into, uh, I, so I volunteered
0: for something and sort of ended up volunteered. Into, uh, I know. Soup kitchen well, you duty. Know,
1: I, try, I, I try to have normal interactions with society from time to time. Try to, You're you know, helping the
0: homeless. It's good to <laughs> see. To, uh, Finally, giving something back. Yeah.
1: yeah giving something back. No, I joined a caroling group at my work. <laughs> I thought it caroling. might be fun, right?
0: Um, uh, like Christmas carol. Yeah, like Christmas carols.
1: You know, pretty simple. You know, just sort of fun, a social activity. And uh, it's—I've it, enjoyed it to a point, but you know, when you <clears throat> go into something, you don't know anything about it, and uh, yeah, it's just be a be a fun little lark. And then you'll just sort of there comes a point where you see the complexity of things, yeah, and how there's an immense abyss of of. Non-understanding Minutia. in front of you. And that's oh, okay. what I've come to realize about singing. It is an incredibly <laughs> complex skill that does not come naturally to me. And uh, if I actually wanted to be competent at it, it would take an amazing amount of work.
0: What, that's, see, I would have thought, uh, there, like I would have of the few things that I would relate you to as far as hobbies are concerned... Mm-hmm uh singing is not one of them i don't know oh, why really? I, no, I just I've always
1: enjoyed uh singing to myself and i'm a, i'm a decent whistler
0: you're oh god fucking whistlers i know man do you, you understand do you, uh, the, uh, the whistling is it's like whistling is kind of like farts uh you don't mind your own but when you encounter somebody else's, it, you just you just got to get out of that fucking room. Like, hold oh, like, they're
1: one in the same. Uh, at least, I'm doing this wrong.
0: <laughs> have you developed a new exceptional talent? <clears throat>
1: uh, you got to just use a little bit of a, a white petroleum jelly.
0: God damn, man! It's Too bad a jackass isn't around. You could have been there, uh, fart whistling. Uh, uh well,
1: boy. I'll see if uh who's that uh who's that uh, fucking uh, director
0: who did Pink Flamingos. Oh, uh, uh, had, uh, uh Waters.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll see if he need somebody for a new film.
0: Oh my god. Yeah, I, whistling is, is there's a guy who has an office a cubicle or down from, from me and he whistles all the time and I, I'm just astounded. Like, there's a few things that bug me in the office. Uh, clipping your fucking nails at the desk. Uh, microwave popcorn. In the kitchen. Oh, God.
1: Just, there's, there's few things that spread as far as that. The only thing I've known is beta mercaptoethanol. That's another thing that spreads. <laughs> is but, that what uh, you use uh, to popcorn. kill mice?
0: Is that what you're killing mice
1: no, with? No, no, it's a reducing oh. agent, concept, uh, commonly used in molecular oh, okay. biology. But if anybody spills a drop of it, it stinks up a whole room for, <sighs> for hours. What's it smell like? Um, well, it smells that, the common smell you get from reducing agents. It's sort of a sulfury smell, it's oh, very that's no noxious. Good.
0: Yeah, right. So, and whistling is the third pet peeve of mine that uh has me crawling up the walls of my uh partition cubicles. I'm like, you got to Who, who be would
1: who me. would I don't understand he whistles while he's at his cubicle?
0: Yeah. I mean, I understand just,
1: whistling when you're out walking around from building to building or something no, like
0: that. No. But not no. at your desk. Yeah, at his desk.
1: Wow. Well, I mean, that's just that's I mean, that's stupid.
0: Yeah, I'm just like, has anybody told you that you're the most fucking annoying human being on the planet, Mr. Whistler? It would be like, come as a shock, I'm sure. I don't even know if he realizes he does it
1: Maybe you go. Uh, maybe you could uh, talk to some people uh, with power there and move them up the list on the old layoff schedule.
0: Uh, that's right. <laughs> even your retention rating has gone down, sir. Uh-huh. Why? Well, uh, unexplained uh, acoustic circumstances.
1: Look, it doesn't, you don't need to make any excuses. There's, there, good companies keep a file... On every employee that they could use at a drop of a hat to fire them with reason.
0: I know. Well, that's the thing. Uh, If you're a shitty employee and they're going through layoffs, they'll find things that 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 like uh, your internet search history uh, and use it against you. You know, people are always like paranoid, like, oh well, you know, I I got to be careful what I what I look at online at work. And I was like, yeah, to a point, but if you're a shitty employee anyway. Uh, you probably should really look at your internet search history, but if you get shit done and uh, you're fairly efficient, I wouldn't worry about it.
1: You, know? you could but, fucking be doing a hooker right there in your cubicle. That's right,
0: the, just slamming a, hooker, a
1: on your, hooker on your on your on your cubicle mate chair. By the way, <laughs> That's
0: right. I'm not All even right, gonna clean gonna, that chair off. We got to get back to the show news. So you're you're singing, and it's a challenge. I I know you used to hum a lot. You used to like hmm hmm. Mark. Yeah, with, I hum uh, as well. Chronic hummer. When did, you, when did you remember hearing me hum? Oh, uh, well, you just you kind of hum. I, yeah. I don't know. But I I don't have an instance in mind where you were. I do hum. It's very humming. it's a very
1: similar mechanic to whistling, even though the source of the vibration is, is
0: different. It's p- more polite, strangely, than whistling. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So you decided to give singing a go, and oh, uh, it's just a caroling thing. Well, I mean, but, that's you singing, know, the main right? the
1: main issue is that there's like thirty women. And me, what? <laughs> There's no guys. There was really? there was a guy at the beginning, but he dropped out. So it's like now I was you know I was thinking God maybe I should you know because I'm <clears throat> not too sure you know what I can contribute voice wise even though I'm a little well you can be like the bass
0: you can you yeah can be the low end
1: the problem is um I I I don't understand all the concepts and I find that I can't necessarily hit a note I want to I mean it's. It's actually a bit of a it's a seriously a learned skill. Well, uh, yeah,
0: singing isn't isn't just something you do.:
1: Yeah, I, I, but I want it to just be something I do, so I, I'm just going to have to fumble my way through it. I think it'll be fine.
0: Well that'll be that'll be good for you, I think, uh, mm. to develop a skill uh, outside of uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> masturbation and video game playing. No, I didn't
1: mean to mm, I, there. I'm glad you think so highly of me, Matthew.
0: No, I, well, I don't know what you do at work. I, I can't. I can't uh, uh, crow about your 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 occupational skills.
1: Well, I can cannulate Neora like nobody's business.
0: See, I don't even know what the fuck that is. I, it's just. <laughs> so... <laughs> Although you can put together like a mean landscaping. Uh, for a home uh, i was very impressed last time i visited with mm. the uh the amount of every
1: every inch done. of it is a trail of tears i know as, with well, well i know mark
0: and i look at the, the the work that was done uh on the house and i'm i'm astounded i mean it's like the pyramids got built there it's fucking amazing at your place no at your place all that all oh, that really? driveway stuff yeah mm, mm, well, like mark's got like manual labor too bad it doesn't pay very well Chicks like dudes with mad skills, so <clears throat>
1: and washboard abs, which I have a lot
0: of. Yeah. So, so is Jean cool. just staring Just staring out the window at you as you have your shirt. I just off, got. My, I got my shirt off. Of your... Yeah. Yeah. Just She's sipping.
1: Sip just wearing a marble sack out there working on the yard neighbors have trouble with it but yeah screw them
0: (laughs) she's sipping like a mint julep looking at you through the window getting all my oh my
1: she's got one of those
0: little hand fans (laughs) oh would you look at him would you like to come in and take a break mr hudson (laughs) (laughs) Uh. all right we should get to the movie this week uh our movie this week is the 1987 verhoeven classic robocop Quick plot rundown here. Set in Detroit sometime in the near future, the film is about a policeman, Peter Weller, killed in the line of duty, whom the department decides to resurrect as a half-human, half-RoboCop supercop. The RoboCop is indestructible, and within a matter of weeks, he has removed crime from the streets of Detroit. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Uh, However, his human side is tortured by his past, and he wants revenge on the thugs who killed him. Uh, Pretty straightforward. So where do we start with RoboCop?
1: Uh, we got to start with the remake. Oh.
0: Never saw it. Did you see it? <laughs> no, I didn't see it either. <laughs> okay, well, I toyed I we with it, to but well,
1: I only had two weeks to watch two movies, and so uh, it was just too too onerous of a schedule. Though, well, I my heard imp- great things about it. I do remember seeing the previews and him with his like the helmet off and just his yeah. face there and like chit chatting with people like a normal guy. What? I remember that? There was just sort of some shots of the, of the no. remake where he just seemed I- like he didn't seem that fucked up like Weller does in this movie. But then I was watching this, and I realized, oh, there's quite a bit of the film where Peter Weller has his helmet off.
0: And his his,
1: the face there. I I didn't quite remember all of that, but he still seems, well, he's got some demons. Uh,
0: So, yeah, the remake, I'm just going to kind of throw it in with the other Verhoeven remake, like Total Recall, which is, uh, uh, I watched part of until I just got bored out of my mind. Uh, But, the remake of Total Recall lacked all the kind of witty, amoral satire that Verhoeven likes to add to his films. And I was just like, this is boring. I mean, it's like if you took Total Recall and you just sort of zapped it of its, well, of its They fun. didn't have
1: any political scheming? That was the big point. It was about a separatist movement on a colony. Uh,
0: they, and I the guess they did and they the didn't. I didn't. It, it was just so shitty oh, that's right it doesn't I, take
1: place on it doesn't take place on
0: mars no. does it uh-uh. so i just assumed that the new robocop would be just sort of a uh, uh phone it in remake of uh, robocop so i think it got be sort of middle-end reviews we don't yeah. need to talk about it any further no we don't um, anyway so uh well let's let's talk about let's get into the maybe the the engineering of robocop a little bit and. Uh, uh, which we always like to do kind of uh, I mean like from a, a sci-fi
1: standpoint. Yeah. Hold let me let me go get my Star Trek next generation technical
0: manual. <laughs> and
1: see if we can get any inspiration from there. We'll see how the Cochrane drives work and maybe that'll
0: <laughs> There was never any uh cyborgs in Star Trek, was there? Um was there ever Yeah, yeah, there was the Borg. Oh fuck me. Of course yeah, there was the Borg. Yeah, right. the fucking Borg. Yeah, maybe that could have been like a wholesale ripoff of RoboCop franchise. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, I,
1: I wonder where the cyborg got started It'd interesting i would be interested from a from a history i'm for sure there's probably some seminal novel from 1894 from some <laughs> russian guy where the word where the idea of the cyborg was first introduced
0: yeah like if we could just put like a steam shovel on this guy's arm then mm. wouldn't that be interesting
1: well he could shovel coal like nobody's business we'd never be cold again
0: Well, I don't know. I think uh, I'm trying to go back into my pop culture history. It wasn't like the six million dollar man. Like he was like a cyborg. There's sort of a long kind of history of pop culture cyborgs out there. I don't know all of them by heart, but it makes me think that
1: Verhoeven could have saved a lot of money on the uh, on the suit from this movie if he just did the six million dollar man thing so yeah he's a total body conversion but the uh the cybernetic parts look look perfectly real
0: right yeah as (laughs) opposed to this uh crazy exoskeleton that Mm they built for uh Mm -hmm. uh, well
1: it's not really an exoskeleton it's a complete it's, it's, it's his complete body there's just rudimentary organs in there
0: it was a great scene when
1: it was just... No, so they really POV. should have had like a big gas-filled colostomy bag coming off the side of him.
0: <laughs> I was wondering how he took a dump. I really did. Uh, he, he's, uh, that he's would eating... have to be
1: how... Because they said he had a rudimentary digestive system to feed his organic parts, so...
0: So maybe, yeah, he has like a colostomy bag down in like a leg A little part.
1: part the, other, the other leg.
0: Yeah, where his gun uh, comes uh, out on one side, the shit comes out <laughs> on the other.
1: I don't uh, think they'd pipe it all the way down there. That'd be sort of stupid. They'd have well, it come out of the side or something.
0: Well, he would like hook up like an RV to, uh, you know, uh, a septic, and then it would just drain out periodically. Because he he can't be like consuming that much energy, right? If you're just sort of a hollow core of. of well, they could you know they they,
1: they could have made the paste so perfect and, and really refined his digestive system perfectly that he, efficient that he didn't have a waste. He didn't have an exit. It's like a blind gut. Some insects have blind guts where. What? They're so efficient more. at processing uh, um, their food, and they're so short-lived that there's no exit to their gut. It just ends.
0: That That is so disturbing. I don't even know where to go with that. But awesome, mm-hmm. nonetheless. <laughs> really? Uh, I heard, like, uh, mayflies don't have mouths or something because they don't live that long. Mm,
1: so I don't know that, about it, that.
0: Some weird... Really? So a blind gut? It just mm-hmm. goes in. It's like a, a delta of a river that empties into the desert. It mm-hmm. just goes nowhere. That's well, crazy, some man. some
1: animals have guts like that, but they the entrance and the exit are one and the same. They eat Holy and, they, shit. and they defecate through the same hole. Oh my god, I'm getting this is like out. a monkey or something. It's, we're talking like sea squirts and shit here. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, maybe he uh, RoboCop just deposits like a little burnt, burnt charcoal cinder after he's done. You know, <laughs> yeah, that, just be like, walking
1: he, down the street, you hear like the tinging behind him. He's like, "Excuse right. me, citizens, right. right. would you please dump that in the nearest toilets?
0: <laughs> I don't mean to defecate near you, but I couldn't help myself. It right. smells
1: no more than a fresh baked biscuit. <laughs> that's a that's a. Uh, <laughs> That's a quote from the Road to Wellville, if you ever saw that movie. Oh,
0: I did not see Road to it's Wellville. It's pretty good. Uh, so, well, the, I like the POV scene where Miguel Ferrer uh, is. Is that the chick like, well, with the glasses? No, Miguel Ferrer is the... Uh, oh, uh, yeah, he plays Morton. Yeah, Morton. And uh, he says, lose the arm. I, yeah, I, I like that. <laughs> They lose the arm. So you get the impression that, yeah, he's just sort of this... Uh, um, like spinal stump and a few vital organs, and then mm-hmm. the cerebrum and the face. Strangely mm-hmm. they left the face all there. So uh,
1: well, they use the eyes. You know, they can make the a eyes. they can make a total body replacement, but they can't interface a, a camera with his uh, with his brain. I don't want to get too well. Much look, into- we, we, technically wise, this is pretty far. This is just farcical. I mean, there is some man machine interfacing that's done these days, but it's pretty rudimentary it's certainly not going to be done by it's certainly not some for-profit company is going to spearhead this
0: this is a <laughs> yeah, lost yeah. leader
1: this is this is bill this is hundreds of millions of dollars down
0: the down the hole uh, well you know as as veterans of the uh, cyberpunk game by our talsorian you and i we know that uh if you add too much machinery to yourself you will undergo cyberpsychosis. Where, that uh,
1: was my favorite part of that entire universe. the Cyberpunk. <laughs> I think that's the best idea in that game.
0: It is a good idea. And uh, it's interesting. I didn't want to bring up the sequel, but the sequel uh, has, uh, I guess, introduces that element to uh, RoboCop 2, which is funny because it's called RoboCop 2, but it's actually RoboCop 2, like the second version of, of the uh, first Peter Weller RoboCop and uh they try the uh cyborg out or they try out the same uh, idea yeah, on other cops like on other cops and they all just fucking go crazy and like kill themselves and like kill the lab technicians around them. There's a great mm-hmm. sort of scene where like I present to you RoboCop two, and <laughs> like he comes out and he blows away like three lab techs and then he blows away himself or he pulls his mm-hmm. head off and screams and it's 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 a it's a funny dark scene I liked about that Irvin Kershner. Well, I think I, I
1: think RoboCop two is generally considered a pretty interesting film.
0: It is a good movie. It's probably and, one you know, of the better makes sequels. you know, think, I'm,
1: I'm really thinking about, you know, w- what to do. I really think I'd like to go and, and take a gander through some sequels to films we've reviewed, both good and bad. Because we, we had a brief discussion on Facebook and on the podcast about terrible sequels like Ringu 2. Yeah. And like, right. I'd like to visit some terrible sequels and some good sequels, like maybe Robocop 2. I think that'd be fun. I mean, I think that's a pretty good movie, at least from my memory.
0: It is a good movie, but it deals with the whole idea of, uh, I guess, what for lack of a better term, cyberpsychosis. And basically, it highlights how unique the Murphy character was and yeah. how suitable he was to be the only one Robocop that OCP was able to produce or whatever. Like, his psychology was just right. And I don't know why it was right. I don't know why, like, other than uh, he has a revenge story that... that that needs to be played out, you know, uh, I mean, I guess
1: that doesn't doesn't really develop for the RoboCop character until after he's proven to be a stable cyborg. And in fact, it just adds instability to his makeup.
0: Well, he, uh, well, he has like the PTSD, right. Where he's sort of sitting there idle in his, uh, uh, I guess his, his lab. And then he kind of comes to life. And I like how in the future, Uh, we can, we can design cyborgs, but we're still stuck with like pen and ink fucking like crap type of readouts. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, you got to use what you got to use. Um, but, um, I mean, from a technical standpoint, it's interesting. I mean, there have been some, there is some man machine interfaces that do work in practice. I mean, there's like I'm thinking there's some uh, retinal implants they are in the development stage that they're in human trials or give they've given them to the people where they uh, take a they they put a little camera I think you wear it externally though I think the idea is to implant it at some point and then it then they have a little uh, array of uh, electrodes that they lay over your visual cortex and then the the camera information is converted to uh, electrical parses on that array. And you can
0: actually experience sight in a very rudimentary sense. If you're, blind. I heard a, I heard a freaky Radio Lab podcast. Are you are, are you cool on Radio Lab? Are you done with it? I, I forget. Oh uh, boy, that's,
1: uh, their Halloween episode was fucking uh, terrible. Yeah, oh, did you soft. listen to that? No. There the was such haunted. A piece of shit. Yeah. That was, yeah, yeah, was so dumb. Uh, they, they, they've run out of good ideas. That's the problem with this sort of stuff. I mean, how much? How long can you really be inspired before you have to make Drek? <laughs> and I, think they
0: I mean, look out. at us. We started producing Drek like 100 episodes yeah, ago. Yeah, we started with Drek. We got nowhere <laughs> to go. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah, that's right. We're plumbing, the, we're plumbing the sewers right now looking for uh, content. Anyway, so uh, the, there was one about uh, some blind girl that they did put an electrical array, like you said. Oh, is that on tongue. a radio lab? Yeah, Yeah, they put it on her tongue. Because the tongue oh, is sort of a the hypersensitive yeah, yeah, yeah. spatial organ or spatial sense that, uh, you know, you can you can register, I guess, spatial dimensions. Well,
1: on. I think they wanted to use the tongue because of it, it has a high density of, rece- yeah. of uh, touch receptors.
0: So they, they put this sort of electrical grid on her tongue and she couldn't make sense of it. And it was hooked to a camera, just like you were saying. But after a while, she could start seeing things with it. So... She's to the point now, I guess, where she can walk down the street and see people, quote-unquote, walking around her and see, you know, kind of crude objects and that sort of thing with her tongue. So her brain is basically sort of wired up that circuitous route of sense uh, into her brain, and it works. Strangely, so you can do the same thing with motor control, I'm guessing uh mm. although uh Robocop has his sight uh I assume has some sort of form of hearing uh, that you don't see his ears, but that would make sense. Well,
1: he has little uh like speaker ports where his ears would be
0: yeah, so not really too far off, although keeping uh, uh resurrecting a dead cadaver in a machine and then hooking it upright to keep it organically. "Quote unquote," living for a time.
1: Just think about That's what like. the wiring hardness on that would look like. Ew, that
0: would be a mess.
1: We'd break that one out. <laughs> That's a lot of wires.
0: <laughs> That's true. I couldn't imagine. Uh, it would. It would. It would uh, dwarf like uh, jumbo jet wiring diagram. I'm sure hooking that shit up. Mm-hmm. So, but
1: yeah, it's a, technically it'd be it's pretty fanciful thinking.
0: So I was thinking, like, if you. If you gave a a body, like oxygenated its blood and kept that blood moving, through would it would would it stay quote unquote alive even though like the brain's gone and everything's gone? I mean, can you keep something alive that way? Uh, is well, that you know, you
1: you, you, you what does alive is, mean? I guess That's I mean my question. there. Well, it, 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 there's a lot of technical aspects to it. I, I think that. Um, <laughs> If as long, as long as you can keep the lungs working, as long as the lungs still work and you can intubate and, and manually uh, inflate the lungs, as long as the heart still works, you can keep the body alive for quite some time. When you have to do it externally, like oxygenate externally, like the lungs don't function, uh, you can do it. Usually, it's done only during surgeries, and I think it's like a heart lung it. machine, right?
0: Yeah, you but yeah,
1: long term, they don't really work. You get a lot of blood loss, and you fuck up the clotting system, and uh, you get a lot of organ damage because the perfusion really isn't as good as it normally is of blood. Uh, yeah. in tissues, like like the brain would probably die for long term heart lung machine use. So, um, I mean, you can have, I mean. I think what you 're thinking of you're thinking of like living cadavers, which is a a thing that 's commonly used in the medical world for a tissue donation you 're declared dead, but your body's still living it 's the technical term is living cadaver
0: okay, so uh, that means that 's that usually you... the
1: state like if somebody's pronounced brain dead and they 're going to take the heart and the kidneys and all right. that shit they 'll keep them in a living cadaver state for a period of time and all do you have to hook up setup. some
0: oxygenating machine and No, no, the idea that is that.
1: <clears throat> Everything works normally. You have to intubate them. The uh, respiratory function usually stops. But you just fill the lung with blood. The heart works on its own. It just keeps on beating. Okay. And the the tissues of the body continue to live.
0: Interesting. So uh, with the the Murphy character, he, uh, for whatever reason, like, loses all his long-term memory but yet has a cop sensibility that remains and uh, yeah, I was they thinking, his memory. Well, I was thinking, like with amnesiacs, that this is sort of a common, uh, I guess, uh, um, mechanism of, of memory loss. Uh, like people will still have be able to speak uh, in different languages. Like if they learned a different language, you know, play a and musical instrument if they learned a musical instrument, but then they won't have any sort of long term memory about where they came from. And usually amnesia Yeah, well, and it happens, it
1: happens in the opposite direction as well. They'll remember things, but they can't remember how to speak. Oh, really? I yeah, haven't heard I of that mean, one, that's so. a, that's a very. I mean, that's a very common... I mean, all these are responses to brain injury. I mean, you think of amnesia because it's written into a bunch of terrible plots on TV. Yes, I do. But the sure. truth is brain injury has a lot of manifestations, and the most common ones are uh, loss of muscle control, and uh, and uh, problems with speech. There's a, And we just think if somebody had a stroke, any sort of ischemic event on the brain uh, will lead to commonly problems with words. Either you can't pick the right word, like you'll be saying a sentence, but you say a, a, a string of nonsensical words because your brain's no longer pulling the right words that you want to say. It says other words instead because there's a mix-up.
0: So basically... Amnesia' is a function of brain, what part of the brain got damaged in the event
1: yeah amnesia I, I mean amnesia might be slightly different, possibly uh, in it, you know what sort of traumas cause it and I, I really don 't know you 'd have to talk to a neurologist about okay. that, but you know All different right. injury to different parts of the brain cause different things Hell, you you saw one of the early inspired radio labs about that very topic talking about uh, radio lab. I think
0: so i don 't remember. Yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. So I don't know if we've I don't know, worked through the uh, cyborg into the old RoboCop thing. I always like to kind of get into that stuff with sci-fi mm-hmm. uh, here. No, I but... think it's
1: handled fine, though. It's it's fanciful.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, well, it's fanciful. Uh, the suit was designed by special effects uh, guru. Uh, Ro- was it Rod Botten, Botten who did the uh, thing effects for John Carpenter? Mm. Uh, so he was sort of an eighties classical effects. Uh, whiz Kid, I guess, and uh, he did the suit, and the suit was, as you can imagine, bulky and uh, when Robocop was driving around in the Ford Taurus, the futuristic uh, cop vehicle, the Ford Taurus, mm-hmm. <laughs> he had to, like he was wearing his underwear, I mean he had like the Robocop suit on like the upper half on
1: I mean he, nor- he normally went commando in the suit. is that what you 're saying?
0: No, no, he, when he was in the car driving around. It was Peter Weller in the RoboCop suit, uh-huh. but he didn't have the bottom on. How do you drive suit.
1: cars with pants on? <laughs>
0: no, man. Of course not. That's I, crazy. Well, yeah, I, I get into my car. And my. That's why I told the
1: officer the other day. He didn't seem to buy it. I don't know
0: why. And then, uh, well, you don't want to wrinkle your pants before you get to work, right? Yeah, Have you You're never seen nice that episode pressed. of Seinfeld? I I got. I was just thinking that it has to be a, an episode of Seinfeld. It is
1: an episode of Seinfeld. You've I'm never seen the uh, pantsuit?
0: I think I have. Episode. That's pretty funny. I, I get that maybe confused with where, where Kramer's heating up his shirts in the oven. In
1: Seinfeld's oven, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. They like you like wears some burnt smoking shirt at one point. <laughs> uh, so boom, anyway, I thought it was like a pretty amazing suit. I, I thought they did a really good job with uh the Robocop outfit. It looked as uncomfortable as fuck, but uh it was convincing nonetheless, I thought. Yeah, I thought it was
1: pretty good. I mean I, I the, the I tell you that blue gunmetal became really popular though. I've always hated that color.
0: I even like blue gunmetal? What's wrong with no. you?
1: Why not? I don't know. I just I don't know how they make it blue. I think they put some sort of coating on it. Oh, but they it's okay. but it's of course uh just uh it seems like all cars for the entire 2000s so far have been consisted mostly of gunmetal colors. Uh, well, they have that it. metallic
0: kind of tint mm-hmm. to it. Like mm-hmm. the 6000 sucks. That's an awesome. Car. <laughs> the
1: 6000 SUX. I mean, there's a whole <laughs> other part of this. I mean, I'll tell you. Um, well, let's watched, get into it. Let's get I, into it. I the... think that this movie is so. Of the Verhoeven movies, this and, and, uh, and the other movie we're doing, uh... uh Astro Troopers or whatever it's called.
0: <laughs> Astro Star Killers or something. <laughs> Astro. I don't remember. Whatever. <laughs> sounds like a radio program from the 30s. Uh,
1: Starship Troopers. Um, they are so verhoeven
0: Oh, yeah. Well, mean, and these that's, are
1: the two real super Verhoeven movies. I guess you got to throw in Total Recall. Total Recall. These are really well,
0: Ronnie cool. Cox, obviously, is the uh, corporate bad guy, which we all know and love. and Oh, yeah, uh, the, uh, he uses
1: him again in... Uh, in Total Recall,
0: playing almost the same character, <laughs> pretty much the same
1: exact character, yeah.
0: <laughs> but let's uh, there there is something I, I guess we can call it Verhoeveny, and it's I, I was trying to sort of water it down to what it is that he does. That it's a it's a use of satire, but it's a weird. I guess it's like a. Uh, I mean, it is. It's like true satire. But it's sort of a criticism of media culture, our current media culture, or even mm-hmm. the 80s media culture, that really hits, like, it it, 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 it kind of pulls the extract right out of it. And I was trying to put words to it, but I'm f- sort of failing, trying to figure out what Verhoeven does. It's like an amoral sort of satire and extrapolation or extreme depiction of... Like, you always get the the news bits, right? Mm-hmm. You get the news bits in... in yeah, Lisa Robocop. Gibbons. Lisa Gibbons. Yeah, from what... Like, what was she on? She was, like, Entertainment Tonight or some yeah, shit. Yeah, she was
1: Entertainment Tonight uh, host for a long time.
0: And uh, you get sort of the news bits in uh, Starship Troopers to a lesser extent and yeah. Total Recall. You know, yeah. there's little, little news bits. And uh, there's something about it that... It's like Verhoeven knew where our media culture was going long before we all did.
1: No, it was already there. I mean, local news has been a total cesspool. I mean, news in general is just so terrible. It's so superficial. I mean, everybody's smiling, even while they're reporting about President Reagan dying on his lawn after an orbital satellite (laughs) has a firing error.
0: Right? Yeah, right. And he's still (laughs) smiling.
1: It's just so false. I mean and i think that um most of us just sort of despair about it but uh, uh verhoven revels in it to some in some weird way that i, well, I find he, really
0: pleasing Verhoeven's dutch and i don't know if it's it's viewing american media culture through uh, a european lens that that heightens that sensibility a little bit uh but like if you watch cnn these days which i don't do Um, like Wolf Blitzer is basically like a Verhoeven concoction, Mm -hmm. you know, like you could put fucking Wolf Blitzer in a Verhoeven movie and be like, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. I mean, that's why he
1: he did exactly that in this movie with Lisa Gibbons. Well, yeah, because she was
0: actually... (laughs) Yeah, a, a pseudo newscaster. They should have had called. Blitzer in
1: the RoboCop
0: remake. Oh god, that would have been perfect. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he's there. we have never seen it, and just made a total ass clown of him. Like he, mm-hmm. like he. Well, he doesn't need somebody to do that for him. He doesn't. No, they don't himself. make an
1: ass clown out of Lisa Gibbons. She just does what text she does. that's very similar. And I think, I don't. I mean, I guess you can. You can. I guess it depends on how you look at it. I mean, if you are critical of that in general, you'll see it as an. A, you know a hilarious realistic send up of our current media culture and if you're not sensitive to it you'll just see it as a realistic depiction of news
0: maybe that's it maybe it's uh, uh but back in the 80s like i don't know right i mean real tv is just it, take i mean there's some good shit on tv like the like the the, the scripted shows have gotten better but there is a a a, a maloo of reality shows mixed with news that is so vapid and lacking any substance and is purely there for advertising dollars. Uh, what do they call it? Infotainment or something like that. And it's gotten to a point, I mean, I don't watch much of it anymore. I can't watch much of, like, 24-hour news shit. It, it blows my mind. Uh, but it's it's almost to the levels that Verhoeven, uh, I guess, was, was – Depicting and he was depicting it, you know, as sort of a, 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 it had like a level of ridiculousness to it. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm not making any sense, but um, it, I mean, it's it's like I, I just, sure, I just it's, sort
1: of, it's ridiculous in a sense, but I don't see it as being that far off. It's It's ridiculous in the sense that it rings terribly true.
0: Well, I think it didn't, like, when I first watched Robocop back in the late 80s, I was like, how ridiculous. Like he, he makes it a caricature, right? But now it seems right on the nose.
1: I just and, love how the three thousand SUX you could imagine somebody 6, 000 making SUX. oh six thousand because SUV. I think they actually I think somebody actually used <laughs> that term one time for a crossover, sport utility crossover, which had become very popular.
0: I uh, mean there's the crossfire,
1: which is a crossover.
0: Yeah, but I think the the joke was the SUX, right, sucks.
1: It's yeah, yeah, true. yeah, but it it it's amazing. Did I wonder if they used the term SUV in '86? I think they probably did.
0: No, I think it was like a late '90s thing. I don't know if they used it. I always wanted to create the the USV SUV, the utility sports vehicle, sports utility vehicle. It would be like.
1: I mean, than, there's a show on Adult Swim that's like uh, SVU something 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 SUV SUV USV,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah uh yeah yeah, i mean
1: it's so prescient in the fact that you know people love those cars i mean in so far as that even porsche has to make these fucking stupid crossover oh my god
0: oh man those are some ugly fucking cars like the bmw (laughs) the porsche all those whatever they call crossovers yeah oh and
1: the endless ream of land rovers that i have to tool around on my motorcycle
0: <laughs> and then there's the bastard child, the Subaru uh, outbacks oh. and Foresters. Oh,
1: Jesus, don't get me
0: started on those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. I they I they uh they are usually the perpetrators of what I what I like to call the Ballard pullout, and the Ballard pullout is this uh traffic Faux pas that I see time and time again in my neighborhood. And what it is, is it's the equivalent of when you're in a salad bar and some fucker comes in and says, oh, I just need to get a little bit of bacon bits and he cuts in front of you. Right. And you have to stop and you have to like, you know, watch him put bacon bits on a salad and then he leaves the line again. You know mm-hmm. those fuckers? I mean, you've ran into those people. It's the same thing, but it's people pulling out in front of you. Like, they will literally be a mile uh, or two of empty street behind me as I'm mm-hmm. going down. And they will pull out right in front of me. Yeah. And then they will go a block and they will take a left. Like, yeah. oh, see, I'm just going a block. You know, it's cool. And I'm like, you don't understand. I have to apply my brakes. I have to slow down. And I don't give a fuck if you're going a block. It doesn't make any difference if you're going a block or a mile, you, you know. And, and so I call it the Ballard pullout. And it's usually fucking Subarus and Outbacks and Foresters, and they're lousy in this town.
1: How about if it was somebody it, on a bicycle?
0: I just punt them, punt them over the next <laughs> stage.
1: Just, right? Just, I go through windshields like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> right. Their head goes flying <laughs> off like that Melton guy in Robocop.
0: That's right. Yeah, and if they're wearing a GoPro, I, I steal it off their twitching corpse, and then I head out so there's no recording of it.
1: I gotta, yeah. You just, I just would, I, if I ever get into your car and I open your glove box, GoPros are gonna come
0: in. <laughs> out. GoPros! Oh man,
1: it I took me forever to get, get them in there. Just kick, kick it shut.
0: Oh, and their cell phones because I don't want you know the the geo tracking or anything like that in there either. So I'll take that as well. And Then uh, off I
1: go. So um. We have taken a lot of aside, but what are your favorite parts of this movie? I'm just thinking, um, I love, the, I love uh, when the the guy melts from the toxic waste.
0: <laughs> what an awesome scene! You know, I was thinking, what was with the 80s and vats of toxic waste? Was that that was like a that was a thing, you know? Because you had like the uh, uh, toxic Avenger movies where he, you know some dude, some weenie, falls into like a vat of toxic waste and becomes a, a crazy superhero, but that scene is fucking awesome. You that just, pretty cool. I was like, is there any is there any toxic waste that would do that to somebody? Because that would be fucking cool. Like, just, yeah,
1: I mean, there's all sorts of acids, uh, concentrated acids that are used in manufacturing that would melt somebody. Uh, the thing is that we don't see it much anymore because we exported most manufacturing out of the United States, so, so we don't really have to deal with this as much as we used to.
0: So, like, in China, where you have six-year-olds using Mm -hmm. horrible, like, ketones and shit to get Mm -hmm. the uh, uh, gold off of uh, uh, circuit boards, you'll get, like, vats of, uh, you know, methyl ethyl ketone that'll, like, dissolve human flesh and all kinds of lovely crap. Certainly.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of industrial chemicals.
0: It was great, though, how, like, his, like, finger bones were poking through the remnants of his hand.
1: Oh, I just I just remember him getting run over <laughs> yeah. by uh, uh, Clarence in his SUX. I had such a great
0: seen, scene. He just explodes. <laughs> I hadn't seen this movie in I don't know, probably ten or fifteen years. And when that scene was about to happen, I was like, "Is this a scene where the guy just turns to a bag of water when he gets?" Sick? <laughs> oh, that is just that, that is so awesome. <laughs> you get the you get the <clears throat> you get the inside of the uh windshield. Mm-hmm. Uh and you and you just see sort of this wash of body fluid <laughs> as he <you> gets
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty cool. I don't know how you're still moving around.
0: Uh that's one of my favorite scenes. I I I'm trying to think of a few others. The, uh, the other two, not- one
1: the other one oh. I like is the um is the what we open the podcast for. It's when Clarence the killing of uh Murphy.
0: That's a little brutal, man. I think That's it a little I, I really
1: stuck with me as a kid. And actually, the funny thing is uh, we watched the Blu-ray version, and uh, it's much more gory than the, the, the movie we saw probably on VHS or maybe really? in the theater. They'd actually, the camera doesn't show as much as it does in this version. Uh, they had to cut a bunch of the gore out to avoid an X rating. Jesus, movie, really? They had, a, they had a long fight with the MPAA on this film. And so, like, you know, when you really see his hand get mashed by that shotgun and you see, like, the arteries spurting out blood and you see his arm get blown off, the most explicit frames of that are, are deleted, were deleted from the theatrical release.
0: It kind of makes sense because it's, 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 uh, well, I know you decry, uh, uh, I guess, C- cleansed violence. Cleansed violence in cinema. I hate and, it. And this definitely didn't have I mean it was it was sort of very gratuitous and sadistic and uh, yeah ye- I thought I thought
1: it was really good I mean there's too much blood but other than that it's very good
0: right so I didn't I, I didn't I didn't like that scene really that much but really it was, I think it was, it's
1: really effective it always stuck with me as a kid and I really like it, it really shows the just the it really I don't know, it just highlights that character Clarence
0: Oh yeah, so the dad such, from that seventy show.
1: It's such a great light. I mean, he really is um, a bastard, sort of like a lot of the OCP execs, but on a more <laughs> visceral, a sort of honest level than how he uses violence. It just me really, really like the character. Not in from a sense I'd want to be friends with him, but I think he's a nicely drawn evil guy.
0: Well, he's uh, he's just an underling
1: of the main evil guy, but he's better than most arch villains in films.
0: Well, he gives you a reason to really hate him, Mm -hmm. uh, other than uh, you know just sort of the uh, window dressings of bad guys. And he's funny; he's quick witted. You can keep the gum.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I, I mean, he's interacting when he interacts with uh, Jones in the office. Or when he when he's getting uh interrogated by Robocop. He just he just really he's a real smart guy. And I guess, you know, he had glasses on, so that's sort
0: of a given. That's right. Yeah, smart characters have glasses on. Except for Rick Perry, former governor of Texas. Anyway. <laughs> uh yeah, no, I like that character. I like the, uh,
1: the, so- I love his scene where during the assassination of, of Morton, too. He's where he's doing just the silent kill job with the disc and the uh and oh, the yeah. uh, shots to the kneecaps. Oh God! Oh. That's just an awesome scene, you know. Bitches, what do you say? Bitches move or bitches out. Yeah, Well, <laughs> I, I like that. Is just like oh, God, I just love. I love Clarence. Like when he blows up his buddy's SUX with that super <laughs> gun. It's just so funny. I God, I love Clarence. Just love
0: him. Well, he's 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 a very uh, memorable bad guy. Uh, and, and from this movie, I, like, always knew who the bad guy was, a Robocop, and it was, well, it's the dad from that 70s show. <laughs> and uh, he has the same sort of wit uh, that that character had in that 70s yep. show. He, he he brings them to bear. You yeah. Know, sort of the um, <laughs> sarcastic uh, kind of dark wit, you know, about him that uh, that character, that actor really – I forget his name. I don't know what the actor's name is. Uh really is is talented at as far as acting is concerned yeah
1: it's a great character anyways uh what, what were some of your favorite moments
0: well I, I i sort of glommed on to uh another sort of prescient aspect of of this and it's the whole privatization of social services that maybe seemed far-fetched in the 80s but oh i know our- uh when uh when um,
1: Jones says, the "OCP has a history of investing in what are what are long considered non-profitable industries like prisons," <laughs> no. and I think that was well, before prison private privatization. Oh, it, it is, and
0: and it it's like all that shit has played out like RoboCop. There was uh, probably one of the more notable cases. I think it was in Pennsylvania, where a private prison contractor. Was uh, in cahoots with a dr with a judge.
1: It was a adolescent uh, uh, f- prison facility.
0: Yeah, Juve- and so the judge prison. would sentence these kids to extreme, I don't know, uh, lengths of time in this detention facility, and then he was getting kickback from the prison contractor to keep them there, and so it was a whole fucking industry. And the thing that 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 gets to that comment that you made or that quote paraphrase from the film is that why it, it always blows my mind when you have one of these fucking Republican, well I should say Democrats, a lot of them are are in the same. There's vein. there's no
1: difference in the tough on crime stance of the two major parties.
0: Well, Privatizing any social service blows my fucking mind because when you say let's privatize something, what you're saying is let's try to squeeze some profit out of this. And that's what it is because yeah. there's no incentive for a private company or, or, or a corporation to invest in any service that doesn't deliver profit back to them, right? I mean and so with whether yeah, it's I mean the, the cops, private companies
1: are great for squeezing that the blood out of that rock. I mean that's why that's why they're turned loose on things. Because they're great at cutting any fat or muscle that uh you know you could get by without.
0: Well, it requires profits to be taken, uh, from putting out fires in somebody's house to educating children mm-hmm. to uh healing the sick, uh to all this stuff that that uh we like to entertain with regard to privatization like our our fucking uh, social security and every time I hear privatization privatize privatize it's 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 sort of a Orwellian code word for try to to extract profit out of a of something that shouldn't have any profit associated with it you know i mean that that's well i mean kind of that the there's
1: the argument right there. And, and so whether or not you should try to use the free market in certain areas of society. Well, and not people when you stand re- on both sides of that. So I mean, when you, you say about, no, but
0: other people say yes. When you talk about something like the cops and you say well we we need profit to be taken from our police departments. And like okay, so that means that there'll be less money available for the actual service, right? I mean to me that seems logical
1: uh yeah well they'll, they'll they'll well the thing is they do the standard business practice they cut 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 you cut you bust the cop union i mean this is standard i mean how do you make money if you take over the cops first you got to break the union
0: oh i know that it's one. one of the most yeah.
1: powerful unions still extant in the united states i mean that's what i do that'd be my first step uh hire less qualified candidates so fire the older workers that make larger sums of money uh get bailed out on your pension uh obligations through the federal government. These are all just the standard techniques oh, you I know.
0: use. Yeah, that's what my corporation's doing at this moment, exactly yeah. what you said. Busting unions, firing the old workers, you know. Getting
1: uh, out of your obli- pension getting, obligation.
0: Getting out of the pension obligation, all that wonderful shit. hmm And uh, so, you know, this is... Uh, so watching this is like, I don't even recall if this, the fact that OCP is contracted to deliver a police force to Detroit if that was far-fetched back then because it sure as shit ain't far-fetched now
1: they you know know, they should have i mean ocp should have looked into the problems that were likely to come up with privatization of the cops and found out that they needed to convert uh they needed to convert the state to a right to work state before they could (laughs) go in there because they would have had to bust the union
0: that's right they just there
1: was just a blatant oversight by ocp in this film
0: I know. Well, you know, they're, some of their corporate executives weren't completely on the ball. <laughs> Though
1: I do love Jones as, I, I do love Jones's take on uh the profitability of the
0: uh Ed 209
1: Ed 209 about the yeah. contracts 25 years of spare parts who cares if it worked or not that is well, so awesome.
0: And that's hilarious too I that, that's brought on that because well, that's, that's a, absolutely real. I mean what what's what's the, exactly the classic
1: example the that Armored transport carrier, what was
0: oh, it? Oh, the Bradley. The Brad- Bradley fighting, n-
1: notoriously know. piece of shit, never worked, didn't do what it was supposed to do. uh Was dangerous, and yet, how many of those fuckers did we buy? Well, and now we give them to like local paramilitary cop
0: organizations. There's a classic one in play right now. It's the F-35, the Joint Strike oh, Fighter. Oh, I mean, oh that,
1: th- fuck, that thing's such a fucking disaster.
0: Well, and, and uh, you know... It, it was, almost makes
1: it, me wish they went with the faggity Boeing-looking one.
0: <laughs> well, they call it the Monica Lewinsky because of the big uh, air intake on the front of it. You know? <laughs> yeah, so the Monica, that's what it used to be called. Don't stick uh, your dick in there. It was an ugly-ass plane. Our, uh, that, that Boeing's plane was very ugly. But the JSF, which uh, is, is probably was founded on one of the worst design principles ever, and the idea is that we're going to build one... <laughs> One fighter jet that will service every single uh, military uh, agency uh, the Air Force, the Navy, and the Marines. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- this is my analogy. What does a Swiss Army knife do the worst? Everything. Well, okay, it does that, but what? But
1: it does it does a lot it's better titular than nothing name. in your
0: pocket, right? It, 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 you wouldn't really want it as a knife, right? <laughs> I mean, a Swiss Army knife, like it has a knife, but that isn't why you buy the fucking thing, and it's definitely not what you you would go buy like a, a really nice hunting knife or something of that that a specialized knife. I mean, and I know so, the
1: argument you're making, but this common platform is a common business practice to save money. Well, I, don't think, exactly. I don't think on its face is a is a bad idea. I think it's more of an execution issue.
0: So uh Lockheed sold this the this, this fighter, this sexy looking fighter to the government. And I call it the foot in the door thing. It's like, okay, well, they won the contract, they lied to get it, and now it's all just fat. Right, I mean, it's just like, oh, we got another setback. Oh, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? We got you by the balls. We're, we're, what's the military
1: it? saying they don't want any more of them, and Congress is still having them build them?
0: Well, that's the thing. That's the that's the other weird thing is the Pentagon says <laughs> we don't need the we don't need this fucking military hardware, but then Congress says, oh, well, you're getting it anyway. And well, so you know, the ha-
1: one thing about it, at least the shit's made in the U.S.
0: Yep, ah, thank God with pride. Well, I mean, I
1: mean, in the in the sense. <laughs> Except that the corporate profits margins are too high. It does uh, provide a lot of high-paying engineering and machinist jobs.
0: It does do that. Right.
1: And I'll tell you, there's nothing wrong with taking tax dollars and putting it back into the U.S. economy.
0: Well, it's a very inefficient way to fund science and research is the problem. And it And it goes back to what will the American public write a check for? And... Unlike Japan, where they'll just write check for general researches research, they do that all the time in Japan. They do the that. Population in the, US too. the population buys onto it, but not so much. So what do we have to do? We have to go through the military. We have to say, if you don't buy this piece of shit, clunky uh, hunk of military hardware, you're all gonna fucking die. You're all gonna be beheaded in the desert, you fuckers. So Some go ahead, bearded
1: herder is gonna come to your house and kill your children.
0: That's right. <laughs> What did it, as John Stewart says, you're going to be beheaded on the toilet while you're pooping or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> there's some... Anyway, but so that's that's how we fund it. And uh, but like the Ed 209 was just a a classic example of that uh, industry, which is just get the government to write a check for it, and then it all write you know then the checks just write themselves at that point. You know, so who cares if it works or not? Exactly. You, well, it's almost better if it doesn't
1: work because then look at all the work you get to do making it work over a decade. And well, that and just extends the, your service contract out another decade.
0: Well, and that's the thing with the JSF is that, that you know, it's supposed to be like flying around bombing fuckers like right now. And now I think it's like service date is 2020 or some shit, you know, and uh, it's all fat. Uh, from here on out, I mean, well, it would be,
1: be interesting to see how long those things keep flying once we get into a shooting war with China. My guess is not too long. About uh, well, the, the time mar- all about the time all our aircraft carriers get sunk, we should take well, the, about
0: three days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, the marine version is probably the worst off because it's going to be like one of those vertical lift-off jobbies. Oh, uh, you know, those, those
1: always look. work out real well from an engineering standpoint.
0: Well, the problem is, is that the uh, jets that it uses to land on uh, are burn up tarmacs like it's just too hot like it's just it burns too hot yeah it'll just crack it and burn it so if you're landing on a provisional runway you know on a beachhead somewhere uh-huh. uh the whole purpose of that vehicle is moot because you're destroying you can't land on provisional runways anymore they have to be yeah. like reinforced uh high temperature pla- you know uh, slabs of cement or whatever for him to actually be able to land on it. And carrier decks, the same thing. They like burn through carrier decks when they land. It's just <laughs> well, it mess. makes it
1: quick getting down to the hold. <laughs> just go straight down right into storage.
0: So I love the fact that the Ed 209 was just a fucking buggy piece of shit. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> Well, I
1: mean, it was obvious that's what he was going
0: for, but I, re- I really found it very enjoyable. Oh, and just the depiction of it. like, <laughs> Well, we have an Ed 209 defending the building right at the, right as we speak.
1: And he just blows it away with that gun. He just
0: blows it away. Yeah. And it's still kind of wobbling around like a headless chicken a little bit.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, shit. there was a lot of humor played up, like the squealing pig business
0: down the stairs. <laughs> it there sounded right. like a pig. Yeah,
1: I mean, it was a pig. <laughs> the sound was squealing pigs.
0: Yeah, no, it was Yeah, it was. It was directly sampled from. Yeah, they, they had uh, a lot of
1: fun with that one, especially the stop-motion animation I thought was pretty funny.
0: Well, it's kind of funny because like the Ed 209 was supposed to be like, the RoboCop's chief adversary in the film like at least that's my impression when i first saw it It was like oh mm. he's going to have to have this big duel with the ED-209 at the end and no he just he just he just, just kind of like ducks around it blows it away and ducks around it and then goes mm. into the uh uh head Yeah office. i mean
1: there's sort of an amalgam of enemies on RoboCop there's not just one singular person i mean unless you want to call call it Jones but I think they they do play that up in the second movie, right? They have like a Ed Two Hundred Nine cybernetic variant. That's really the
0: well, they, it's RoboCop too, where they yeah. take a criminal's brain and then oh, they yeah. and it's just a beefier version of RoboCop. Yeah, uh, and that movie has some pretty awesome like stop motion animation. Like you yeah. get a little bit of that with uh, Ed Two Hundred Nine in this movie, mm-hmm. but uh, in that movie, which I miss, I totally miss that style of animation. I've lamented that many a times how. Uh, uh, the the stop motion is gone from cinema and replaced with CGI. But there's sort of an authenticity to those models mm. that CGI yeah. doesn't ever seem to recreate.
1: I mean, I think it's tough to, and we've talked about this before, extricate sort of a feeling of, you know, it's what you saw as a kid and enjoyed because it has this, this low frame rate, sort of herky-jerky movement to it. Yeah. You separate that from really... I mean, there's some pluses and minuses to both techniques. I think, and they're both. I think they both can be used effectively.
0: Maybe it's just sentimental. I don't know. I think. I think, think there's there's certainly a chunk it. of that.
1: We don't need to go over that game. I think right. there's there's something to be said about that.
0: Uh, we're getting up on the hour. We should hit the review. <laughs>
1: reviewed this movie on July 17th of 1987, giving it three out of four stars, which is a uh, thumbs up. He says, uh, <clears throat> he first starts talking about the opening scene uh, with the uh, Ed 209 malfunction, which I don't think we described in detail in this podcast, but it does happen rather early in the film. And uh, he calls it where, you know, it takes, there's the malfunction and the executive gets killed. He says, this is a very funny scene. It is pretty funny. It is, uh, especially some of the quips from different uh, uh, executives.
0: Well, post-facto. I like my favorite part is the uh, post scene, how everybody just kind of like gets up after a normal meeting, and like, "Well, that didn't really work out."
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, look, the, you know, the movies. I mean, the you know, you're not going to climb the corporate ladder sitting there crying. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very disappointed in you, Dick. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Where the guy's sitting there, you know, bleeding out on top of a uh, right. model of the city. It's a great scene. Um, Ebert says it's a very funny scene. Whether it was even funnier before the MPAA requested trims on it, I suppose, is a moot point, he says. It's funny. <laughs> God, Ebert was thinking about the MPAA quite a bit. I really got to yeah. see that movie. not This film has not yet been rated. I've never seen that. I think think I did. It, it's interesting. Um he says, it is funny in the same way that the assembly line in Chaplin's Modern Times is funny. That's one movie I want to do sometime. Because there is something hilarious about logic applied to a situation where it is not relevant. I like that. I like what he says there. That, I mean, with the malfunctioning robot, you can't, you can't uh, argue with it. Right. Correct. Yeah. It's funny that you sort of in an untenable situation. I don't know. I know. I, I found it pretty good. Especially when everybody's running around trying to pull the circuit boards. Well, and Robocop
0: 2 plays on that quite a bit as well. Mm-hmm. And just like into these uh, malfunctioning, uh, like when they're trying to build the second prototype. Uh, it's, just, it's just fucking hilarious. Like Irvin Kirshner, he's, like, he's the master of the sequel he did in Power Strikes Back as well. Mm. Uh, just gets the flavor of, of the Verhoeven original right in that film.
1: Making it a good good film. He says this opening scene surprises us in a movie that uh, is developing into a serious thriller. He says, we're no longer quite sure where Robocop is going, and that's one of the movie's best qualities. It is a surprising movie, I think.
0: Well, yeah. It goes its it's, own direction. It it seems like it's uh, destined for sort of B-movie sci-fi camp Mm -hmm. at a certain level, but it has sort of a seriousness to it and... Uh, theme and a message that I uh, make it sort of a more than a sum of its parts I think
1: yeah and it takes time for Robocop to you know for Murphy to come to terms with his situation it takes that time I don't yeah. know it's, it's just it's just really I, I thought it's just a really delightful storyline Um, <clears throat> he goes on to talk about Verhoeven he says his movies are not easily categorized. There is comedy in this movie, movie, even slapstick comedy. There is romance. Where's the romance? Yeah, I don't know. I get that. Um, there's a certain amount of philosophy centering on the question, what is a man? <laughs> that makes me think of another movie. Uh-huh. A set of testicles. <laughs> what makes a man, <laughs> Mr. Lebowski?
0: pair of testicles. Uh, <laughs> 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 you joke, but
1: perhaps you're right. Um And there's also social satire, too. And he he has, I think he has an interesting um, example from his life. Uh, He's talking about the voice of Robocop. And um, he says that uh, this has sort of been used for machines and robots in movies. But he said he ran into something. Remember, this is 1987 at the, he says, the Atlanta airport a few weeks ago. Uh, boarding a shuttle train to the terminal, the train started talking just like a robot, in an un- uninflected monotone. Your attention, please. The doors are about to close. Were they really
0: like that back then? They just—I don't remember. But yeah. Maybe. Well, no.
1: no. What, what he's saying here, he says, "I laughed. No one else did." Since the recorded message obviously could have been um recorded in a normal human voice, it, it probably wasn't a. I mean, the point he's making here is this was probably just a recorded person saying this. This wasn't some sort of text-to-speech application. Right, um, right. He says, because this could have been recorded just with a normal person, the purpose of this robotic audio style was clear, to make the command seem to emanate from a pre-programmed authority that could not be appealed to. Uh. And I think, I think that's really interesting. I mean, there's all sorts of the, I mean, for design of public spaces, people use little tricks. And I think this must be one of the tricks in the bag that says, if you make somebody telling you to do something non-human, in the sense that you're just dealing with a, a rule book, basically, that speaks, what can you do? I mean, maybe, I wonder if people are more likely to obey the commands
0: when they're, they're presented in that
1: way. And I wonder if that's still the case to these days.
0: There was a a good scene in a sort of a lukewarm film, Elysium. I don't know. Did you see Blumkin's Elysium?
1: Nah, it didn't look very interesting to me.
0: Uh, it, it, it's, it's no District Nine, but there's a scene where uh, Matt Damon goes to his robotic parole officer. Yep. <laughs> he has to sit down and and discuss an altercation he had uh, with one of the uh, Armadine robot policemen, and they use sort of the inhuman. Uh, voice uh, going over his his uh, I guess his parole and it does have that effect because he's trying to argue with it like he's trying Mm -hmm. to have sort of logical meaningful nuance and and uh, discretion trying to kind of guide guide through the parole officer like what actually happened Mm -hmm. but the parole officer is just like just a poorly drawn robot I mean it's it's on purpose and you're like, yeah, you're 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 never going to argue with that thing. <laughs> and so it's effective. It it mm-hmm. uses that that idea that Ebert discussed.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna have to look for that out in the in the real world if it still exists. It'd be interesting to see,
0: like the Johnny Cab in uh, Total mm-hmm. Recall. Yeah,
1: in a way, I guess the Johnny Cab not really doesn't hold any power over. No, Quaid. no. Hmm. Anywho, yeah, that's about it for the review. But I did like that that last little example. I think it's uh, a good insight by Ebert. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: So I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I have anything else for uh, RoboCop. Uh, it uh, it's sort of Verhoeven classic. I don't know if it was kind of the first of his. I think it was because like Total Recall and then Starship Troopers and, you know, he hasn't done much sci-fi like this since. Uh, I think he's gone back to the Netherlands to do films. Oh, he has. Yeah. He's been doing some
1: drama, you know, without all this bombast that he has in these, in these uh, late 80s, early 90s films.
0: Well, it seems like he was kind of able to pull it, pull one over on the production studios with his films that he was able to kind of package them like big budget sci-fi action films but he was able to sort of deliver his wit on top of it. Like, yeah, I wonder what his other
1: films are like. We haven't seen them.
0: Oh I mean, yeah, we have. He... We've seen like Basic Instinct and Showgirls and all that shit. Yeah, no, those
1: yeah. aren't small. Those are still Hollywood films. I'm thinking his films that aren't part of the Hollywood machine. Uh, I, haven't films. Yeah, I, I haven't seen them.
0: Yeah, I
1: wonder how his wit comes through there when he's not behove and to make them a spectacle, like all the movies we've mentioned are.
0: On his face, he seems sort of like a schlock master, like a Michael Bay kind of guy. That's sort of the trick. But then but then his movies are uh, serves that up to you, but it serves it up to you in an ironic way that mm-hmm. uh, is. is there are, it's hard
1: to miss unless you're a real Dollard.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure there's a lot of fucking <laughs> dullards out there who went and saw Robocop and just laughed when shit blew up. And that was it. I mean, you, know. you can
1: laugh when shit blows up, certainly. But yeah. that, is that it? Do you not have any deeper thoughts about how it like resonates it, with our modern
0: world? Like it, what if Verhoven Verhoven got tapped to do all the Transformers movies? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, he probably would have had to st- been stuck with the same script or would he have? I don't know, you know. I it it it, it it's a shame that he's shied away from uh these type of films. Well, I mean, how
1: it. many times can you
0: trick somebody, a studio? Uh, was he really tricking them? Because all these movies did huge. Yeah, I mean, all right. these movies made like yeah, a buttload of money. I don't think
1: did big business until the aftermarket. Yeah. Of course, they didn't have a huge budget.
0: I don't know. I kept lamenting the fact that Ridley Scott went away from sci-fi fantasy. You know, it's like, why is he doing all these like, you know, action movies and these other movies when he, you know, because I was thinking Blade Runner and Alien and then he did Prometheus, and I was like, "Oh fuck it, <laughs> I was wrong." Yeah, those he was years. maybe out of
1: ideas. <laughs> yeah. You gotta so go Ver- where there's there's fertile fields.
0: So maybe Verhoeven's like if he came back and did something, it would just pale, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, it, maybe
1: he just hasn't seen a script where it looks like it'd be useful for him, on top of the money
0: issue, especially with satire these days, because we're there. Is, sat-
1: uh, is, is there much satire in films these days?
0: Not like this. I I can't really think of any. Uh, film that doesn't do kind of a contemporary, like a sci fi film that doesn't, that does a contemporary uh, critique that doesn't have some, I guess, f- uh, satire in it. You know, mm-hmm. satire is sort of a, uh, is sort of a humorous type of mechanism or it's, a, it's not, there's, a, what am I trying, I'm trying to think of when they, like, Bloomkin's District Nine, for example, was a social commentary. It wasn't yeah. a satire. Yeah. That's right. uh, but like a, a sci fi satire, you know, that, that isn't overt, I guess, that's more subtle, like Robocop and Total Recall and and, and that. But I can't think of a I can't hmm. think of one. It's hmm. like Well people we'll
1: have to give that some thought. I'm sure it's there. We may just be missing it because of our disconnect with popular culture as we get older.
0: Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, getting old, man. Fucking getting old, out of touch. All that good shit. But, right. uh,
1: yeah, okay.
0: All right, so next, uh, not next week, but in two weeks, we're going to do the uh, another Verhoeven film, Starship Troopers. And uh came out in 98, I want to say. came out in 98, about that. So about 10 years after RoboCop. And uh, I think, I- I'm curious, you've read the novel, right? You've read Starship Troopers by Robert Heinlein.
1: Actually, I read it last week. Well, I listened to it on uh audio book.
0: Okay. It's pretty should, good. I, I,
1: I had this, I had read it but I uh experienced it again. It's a it's a damn good little uh it's a damn good little thin novel. It's like
0: 110, 120 pages yeah, or something. It's real brief.
1: Uh I, I'd really recommend visiting again. I mean, um it sort of highlighted the the version where, you know, sort it of some of the it sort of I mean like with any adaptation. I think Star Trek is one of the easier it's easier to adapt because it's more of a novella. Length, yeah, right. Um, but uh, you certainly understand uh, the adaptation was pretty straightforward, and you can sort of see the decisions that were made, and they're made for generally pretty good reasons. All I right. mean, for budgetary I'll, constraints and uh, compacting the storyline a bit.
0: Since I got two weeks, I'll give it a read, and then uh, we can, we can discuss it with the film. So, uh, and I guess until next, well, until two weeks, forget it, kid. This guy's a serious asshole.